we're starting a series today called At the Movies. And this is a series that, this is the third time we've done this series. And the reason we do it is because there's a whole bunch of people, and maybe you're sitting here today, but maybe you know people who would never, ever, ever come to church to hear me preach, but they're willing to come to church for something like this. And, uh, and so today, if you're new to what we're doing, let me just break this down for you. Um, we're gonna use a movie as our illustration for the message today. So uh, if you were hoping that we were gonna watch a movie instead of preaching, I'm really sorry, we're not gonna do that. But we are gonna watch some clips that will illustrate the Word of God and that will prove uh, what the Word of God says or, or help make it real to us. So we're gonna walk through that today. And, uh, and I would love for you, if you enjoy your experience, I would love for you, don't tell me about it. Go invite a friend next week and get them here. Because the reason we do this series is so that lost people and people that are far from God can come to know God through really simple things like movies, because we all like movies to some degree or another. So if you enjoy your experience today and you feel like God is working here, invite someone with you next week and the week after. So we'll be doing this throughout the month of September. And the film we're gonna be looking at today uh, is The Martian. And you may or may not have seen this movie. Uh, it was a movie that came out about a year, a year and a half ago, starring Matt Damon. Uh, but the tagline for the film is, help is only 140 million miles away. Has anybody ever felt that way before? You felt like help was 140 million miles away? You felt isolated a little bit? Uh, that's what we're gonna be looking at today. And so uh, let me just give you a rundown of, of the kind of an intro to the film, and we'll watch a clip together. Uh, during a manned mission to Mars, astronaut Mark Watney is presumed dead after a fierce storm and left behind by his crew. But Watney has survived and finds himself stranded alone on a hostile planet. With only meager supplies, he must draw upon his ingenuity, his wit, and his spirit to subsist and find a way to survive. Sour chicken. mission here was supposed to last 31 souls for redundancy they sent 68 souls worth of food that's for six people so for just me that's going to last 300 souls which i figure i can stretch to 400 if i ration so i got to figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows luckily i'm a botanist 
powers will come to fear my botany powers. So Mark Watney is stranded on Mars. He's left behind by his crew who thought he was dead. And he doesn't panic. I don't know about you. If I knew that I'd been stranded on a, four, on a, on a distant planet with little hope of survival, I probably wouldn't have done what he did. He begins to go through and he itemizes everything he's got. He figures out the supplies he has at hand. He figures out what he has available. And then he begins to formulate a plan. And his plan is he's gonna take the, the potatoes that were supposed to be reserved for Thanksgiving and he's gonna harvest them. He's gonna plant them. Now, um, I won't go into all the, the graphic details of how he does that and what he uses to produce that. You can watch the movie yourself. But needless to say is he harvests potatoes. And that's why you got potato chips today, by the way, on the way in. So it's thematic. But this is what I would have done. I probably would have realized what was happened. I would have sat down and looked at my food supply and I would have eaten all of the teriyaki chicken in that one sitting. I would have been like, if I'm going out, I'm going out in style. I'm gonna die anyway, so I'm eating everything, right? That would have been it. Because I would have been sitting there going, I'm never gonna see my family again. This is the end of my life. This is the end of the story. But Mark Watney didn't do that. He relied on his training. He relied on his education. He relied on what he knew. He used the skills that he had in order to do what he knew he needed to do. He was going to survive. He was going to live. He was not gonna die on that planet. And so he decided, I'm gonna use every resource available to me in order to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And it reminds me of a story. Um, it's from the book of Judges. And in this story, there's a guy named Gideon. And at, at this time, the Midianites had taken the, the Israelites' captivity. Uh, they were under Midianite rule. And, uh, and Gideon, uh, everything the Israelites harvested was subjected to the Midianites. And so the, the, the Israelites were not able to survive very easily. They had very low food supplies. And so this man named Gideon, he was, he was harvesting some grain. And instead of uh, doing what they normally do, they would go up and thresh wheat up on a hill where they would thresh it and then the wind would blow through and take away the junk. He was doing it in a wine press and he was doing that because he was scared that if anybody saw him doing it, they would take his stuff. So this is where we pick it up in Judges chapter six, uh, verse 11. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, not Oprah, that's very, very different. Okay, Ophrah and Oprah are different, which belonged to Joash the Bezerite, uh, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press 
to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now remember, this guy's scared, so he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, um, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now I used to think that, that the angel of the Lord was sarcastic and that's why he was saying that, but that's not the case at all. And this is what I realized, uh, that the Lord sees reality different than we do. That we see a reality, but God's, God's reality is much different than our reality. So when the angel of the Lord shows up and greets Gideon, Gideon feels like he's weak, he's small, he's little, but the angel of the Lord sees that reality different. And God sees your reality different than you see it today. It goes on to say, uh, Gideon said to him in verse 13, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and has given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. A different version uh, in the NIV says, uh, go in the strength that you have. Did I not send you? And then he goes on to say, um, and he said to him, Gideon said to the Lord, uh, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midian, Midianites as one man. See, what the angel of the Lord said to Gideon was, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. He, he spoke reality into Gideon's life when Gideon didn't see any of that. See, Gideon's idea was that the Lord was not with them and that he was small and weak. And the angel of the Lord identified him differently and said, no, 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 you are, you are strong because God is with you. And, and God is here, so you don't have to worry about your circumstance and situation. Because much like us, Gideon said, if God is with us, why is all this junk happening? Why does my life look like it does if, if God is with us? And I love what the angel of the Lord said. He said, the Lord is with you, a mighty man of valor. But then he comes back at the end after he, he gripes and complains and says, is the Lord really with us? And he says, go in the might you have and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. What he's saying is you want a solution to your problem. And guess what? You are the solution to your problem. See, sometimes we pray, God, some, send somebody to, to witness to my family. They are lost and they need you. God, send somebody, and God's going, I'm trying to, but you're not listening, right? I'm trying to send you. And you go, but I can't witness to my family. I got problems, and I got issues, and they'll never listen to me. And God goes, I don't care about all your excuses. I'm with you. Does that make sense? God calls us to something, and we think we're ill-equipped, but what we have to understand is everything we need to do what God is calling us to do is resident within us if God is with us. God is calling us to do something big for him. And guess what? It's already with you. God is asking you to walk through a crisis moment in your life. Guess what? God is with you. All you have to do is activate what is in you. See, Watney's training and education, his planning, all these things added up to him saying, okay, this is a terrible situation, but I'm gonna work the problem and I'm gonna walk through this because I've been prepared for this very moment. And everything about our Christian life prepares us for crisis situations when we can walk through a moment and say, this isn't gonna be easy, it's not gonna be fun, but I know that God is with me. And I'm gonna be able to walk through this in a way that brings him glory. 
So how do we prepare for that? So this is a side message in our message. If you're a note taker, you can write these three things down. See, James, in the book of James, we talked about this. James says that we should think differently, that we should think differently than the world thinks, that the world thinks one way, God thinks another way, and we should have the mind of Christ and know the heart of God. And so how do we do that? Number one, we connect with God's people. Connect in a relationship with God's people. People help us grow in our faith. This is what we mentioned earlier with small groups. Uh, we grow the most in our faith in the context of relationships with other people. So connect with God's people, connect with God's word, get the word of God in you, begin reading the word of God. Um, on many Bible apps now, you can listen to the word of God. So if you don't like reading, you can plug it in and listen to the scripture while you're driving to work every day, while you're working out, whatever it might be. You can listen to the word of God, but connect with the word of God. And then the last thing is practice God's presence. Invite God into your everyday life and everyday moments, not just when you're at church, but invite God in and begin to practice the presence of God. That's how you can have the heart of God. That's how you can have the mind of God so that when crisis situation comes up, you can know God is with me and this is gonna be hard, but everything I need to do, what God's calling me to do is resident within me. See, God sees reality different than we do. So what we need to do is be able to see reality the way God does. Watney avoids starvation by harvesting uh, potatoes, and he has scavenged, and he's looked around, he's found everything he could. He actually ran on to uh, the only bit of music that he could find uh, that was left behind was disco music left by Commander Lewis, so that's why you've been hearing some disco music throughout the service today. It's not that we're making a change on style, um, but that's all he could find, so he listened to disco music the entire time he was on Mars. So, he moves on after he has figured out his food problems. He moves on to his major issues and other major issues, and namely, he lacks the ability to communicate or send messages to Earth because the communication antenna was broken off in the storm. On his 82nd day, you see on the, on the film, it says soul. Uh, that's just code for day in, with NASA. But on his 82nd day in space, he finally discovers an old Mars probe called Pathfinder that was uh, left for dead. It had died, and he found it, he brought it back to the hab, he fixed it, and um, he was able to retrieve it and connect it so that he could send a picture to NASA to let them know that he was still alive. Now that we can have more complicated conversations, the smart people at NASA have sent me instructions on how to hack the rover so that it can talk to Pathfinder. If I hack a tiny bit of code, just 20 instructions in the rover's operating system, NASA can link the rover to Pathfinder's broadcasting frequency, and we're in business. Mark, this is Vincent Kapoor. We've been watching you since all 54. The whole world is rooting for you. Amazing job getting Pathfinder. We're working on rescue plans. Meantime, we're putting together a supply mission to keep you fed until Ares 4 arrives. Glad to hear it. 
really looking forward to not dying. <laughs> so Mark Watney sends this message to earth. Um, he's received, and did you see that moment when they said, uh, we've been watching you since Soul 54, and he just, oh, he has this moment when he recognizes, okay, they've seen me, they've, they've known my situation, and uh, although I'm totally alone and help is 140 million miles away, somebody sees me, and they're working on my behalf. Even though I don't see what they're doing, I don't know what they're doing, they're working on my behalf because they see me. There's a story in Scripture in Luke chapter 8 uh, of this woman who had, uh, if if you've been around church, you know her as the woman with the issue of blood, but this is a woman who had, um, uh, the Bible says a discharge of blood. She she was hemorrhaging, and uh, anybody who had an open sore in, in Jewish custom couldn't worship at the temple. They couldn't be in contact with other people. Um, they were ceremonially unclean, and so they really weren't even supposed to be touching or in contact with other people. They were supposed to be kept at a distance. And Scripture tells us that she had this issue for 12 years. So for 12 years, this woman was isolated. Um, she couldn't hug her kids. She couldn't uh, hold her husband's hand. She couldn't do any of those things that we take for granted. And so even though she was in, in this community and people could see her, she couldn't really be in community. She was isolated for 12 years, all alone in many ways. And then Jesus shows up. And so well, I wanna pick it up, uh, this story up in, in Luke chapter eight. And we're gonna start in verse 44. It says, she came up behind him and talking about Jesus. She had heard that he was coming to town and she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. So she, she crept up behind him in this crowd and she touched just the hem of his garment, the, the fringe of his garment. It was probably the fringe of his prayer cloth that he had. And immediately she was healed. And it says in verse 45, and Jesus said, who is it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowd surround you and are pressing, it, uh, pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone has touched me for I perceive the power has gone out from me. Verse 47 says, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. See, this woman had lived in isolation. She had lived in in fear. She is wondering if her situation would ever get better. Scripture tells us that she had spent everything she had on a solution to get better, and there was none. And I imagine she was probably hopeless, thinking her situation would never improve. And as, as lonely and isolated as Mark Watney was, 140 million miles away from planet Earth, all by himself on Mars, how much more lonely is it to be in a crowd but unseen by the people around you. There are people in this room that you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel like you can walk through a group of people and never be seen and never be heard. Sociologists say that our two greatest needs as human are to know and be known by others. And when we're isolated, when we're alone, especially alone in a crowd, that can be one of the worst things that we can imagine. And here was a woman who was totally alone, totally isolated. And then in this moment, she touches Jesus. And in verse 47, it says, and when she saw that she was not hidden, she came forward. She realized I'm seen and I'm known, that, that Jesus sees me and he knows me. He recognizes that something's happened here. Everything changed. 
See, one of the things we need to understand is that we are seen. We are not hidden as believers. Sometimes we feel like God is a long way away and God doesn't see us and God doesn't know us. Sometimes we believe that the, our, our fellow Christians around us don't see us, don't know us, that we are hidden. But I want you to know something. We serve a heavenly father that sees you and knows you. He recognizes what's going on in your life. And just because you don't see answers doesn't mean he's not working behind the scenes. Just like Mark Watney had to recognize in that moment, these people see me, they recognize that I'm alive and they're working to bring me home. We have to understand and recognize that God sees us, he knows us, and he's working to get us to our destination. This woman was afraid. She was afraid things wouldn't get better. She was afraid she wasn't gonna be seen. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He says, you can buy a, a sparrow for half a cent, but every sparrow that falls from the sky and hits the ground, God knows about, because he counts and numbers every single one. He knows even the sparrows. And it goes on to say, but even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Easier for some than others. Fear not, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. What's it saying? It's saying that God knows you. God sees you. He recognizes you so specifically that he has numbered the hairs on your head. He knows you better than you know you. And I'm grateful that we serve a God like that. That we serve a God where we are not hidden. You might feel alone, but you are not alone. So when Watney's fellow crew realized what happened, uh, they had a decision to make because the supply mission that Vincent Kapoor mentioned, it blew up on takeoff. So Watney's was not gonna be supplied. He was not gonna be taken care of. They had no way of getting him more food before he starved. And as a result, the crew of the Ares 4 or the Ares 3 had to, had to make a decision. Now, they could risk turning around to, re to retrieve Watney, but it was risky at best and irresponsible at worst. They had to decide if it was worth the risk to their own lives, because the best case scenario would be that they would add 533 additional days to their journey for over three years away from their family. And this crew voted unanimously to go against NASA's wishes and go back to Mars to retrieve their crewmate. With millions of people listening live and thousands of people involved in the rescue, the world waited while Commander Lewis performs a dangerous spacewalk to try to bring Watney home. I have visual on the map. What's the intercept range? I'm checking. 312 meters. Did you say 312? Great, I'll wave at you guys as I go by. Oh. I can't get to you, Mark, you're too far. I'm not gonna make it. I know. Beck, unhook me, I'm going after him. Commander, I got this. Mark, report. On my way, Commander. Copy, adjusting 
Rodney was part of a crew that did not abandon him when it was more convenient for them to do so. When it was easier for them to go, simply go home and see their family and resume their life, they did not abandon their crewmate. And one of the things we have to understand in this life is that we all need a crew. We all need a group of people who will support us and help us and help us get to our chosen destination, even when it's not easiest for them, even when it's not convenient. Uh, Euripides was a Greek philosopher and he said this, one loyal friend is worth 10,000 relatives. Uh, may, <laughs> you, you might relate to that a little bit, but maybe Euripides didn't have the best group of relatives in his life. But sometimes we're born into a great family. Sometimes we're born into a challenging family. And we talk here at the summit about being, having family of birth and family of choice. And we get to choose our crew. We get to choose the people that we surround ourselves with. We get to choose the people that walk with us through this life to help us get to our chosen destination. See, it wasn't enough for Watney to have a crew. He had to have the right crew. In order for him to get safely home, he had to have the people with the technical skills, the abilities, and the heart for him to help him get to his chosen destination. Now, many of us, we have people in our life who, who we would say are our friends or are our crew, but my question is, are they the right crew? Are they the ones who have your best interest in mind or do they have another agenda entirely? I see some people will say things like, I'm better alone or I'm a lone wolf or maybe in keeping in, with the movie theme uh, for at the movies, maybe you say things like, I'm a one man wolf pack, uh, but whatever the case might be, we are not better alone. We are better with a group of people surrounding us as long as it's the right group of people. We're better with a crew surrounding us to help us get to our chosen destination. In Ecclesiastes, the wisest man that ever lived was Solomon, and he said this in Ecclesiastes 4. Verse 9 says, two are better than one because 
they have a good reward on their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has, it, has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And this passage of scripture is telling us we are better with a crew, we're better with people around us that are supporting us and loving us and helping us get to where we wanna be. I heard someone say recently, the best time to make friends is before you need them. And that is 100% true. A couple of facts I wanna share with you. A three-year Swedish study covered uh, almost or over 13,000 people. It showed that people having few or no close friends are 50% more likely to die of a heart attack than people with a good group of friends around them. Another study, an American study, followed nearly 1,500 older people for 10 years, and it found that those who had a large network of friends outlived those with fewer friends by more than 20%. You literally extend your life expectancy by having the right group of people around you. So if, if you're a woman here and you married rich and you're waiting for him to die, make lots of friends. You're gonna live even longer then, okay? So I'm just kidding. If you're here, you probably didn't marry rich. It's okay. <laughs> so what are we saying? We're saying your crew is so important and we all need a crew. We all need people who will help us get to our chosen destination. So my question to you today is who is in your crew? Do you have the right people in your crew? Or do you have the wrong people in your crew? There are, there are some of you here today, you're single and you're looking for the right spouse and you want to marry somebody so badly. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, you're dating the wrong people. You've got the wrong crew around you and you're gonna end up marrying the wrong person because you just desperately wanna get married. Some of you, you've got some friends, uh, maybe they're friends from high school, or maybe they're friends from college and you're trying to make a turn, you're trying to make a change and live a, a Christ-like life and you know that the crew that you have right now is not the crew that's gonna help you get to your chosen destination. And maybe you've gotta make a tough choice about your crew. Maybe you need to start surrounding yourself with the right people that can help you get to where you wanna be. And that's one of the reasons uh, small groups are so important. You can sign up for a small group today. Get one, find one, find your crew, connect with your crew. We wanna help you do that. We wanna help you connect in godly relationships so that you can grow in your faith. The truth is, and this sounds like a cliche when I say it, the most important member of your crew has to be Jesus. If you don't begin your crew with him, then really it doesn't matter what else you do. And I've seen the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. Let me just tell you, if Jesus is your co-pilot, you're sitting in the wrong seat. Uh, he needs to be the pilot. He needs to be the commander. He needs to be the one who's leading the mission. And if he's not, you're getting this thing all wrong. We have to put Jesus in the middle of everything, at the center of everything, because he is, he is the one who's leading the way. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. John 15, 13, Jesus says this. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is the ultimate crew member because he laid down his life for you. You wanna surround yourself with people who would take a bullet for you. You wanna surround yourself with people 
who are loyal to you and will support you and to help you get to where God wants you to be. Not their agenda, but God's agenda. So my question is, who's in your crew? Let's pray. God, I love you and I thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for each of us in this place. That God, you want to see us, Lord, not just come home safely, but God, you want, you want us to help, help us get to our chosen destination. So God, I pray today you would help us put you first. Lord, help us make some tough decisions maybe about the people we're surrounding ourselves with. Lord, help those that are here today and they're struggling with having the wrong crew around them. God, help them make the wise choice to step away from some, some unhealthy relationships. God, I pray today that you would help us trust you and help us see reality the way you see reality. God, when we encounter a crisis, God, help us not just see what's wrong, but Lord, help us tap into what you're doing in our lives and help us trust you and see a different reality than what the world sees. Help us walk through our crisis in a way that brings glory to you. God, I pray for those that are lonely here today, that feel hidden, that feel isolated, that feels like no one sees them today. Help them know that there is a heavenly father that sees them and knows them and is working on their behalf right now. No matter what is going on, no matter what the circumstances are, help them see and know that you see them, that we are not hidden. So God, I pray that you bless us and minister here over the next couple minutes. Be glorified here. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? What you said was absolutely true. Um, and, and I'm walking through life and I'm trying to get someplace, but the truth is uh, I, need, I need Jesus in my life. I'm not walking with him. He's not part of my crew. And, and I wanna make him Lord of my life. I wanna put him in the pilot seat and I'm tired of living my own life. And, and I just, I want him to be in control. If that's you, I'm not gonna make you come forward or embarrass you. I wanna pray with you right where you are. So if you're here today and you would acknowledge that and say, that's me, pray for me. Would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? Say, pray for me. I wanna put Jesus in the pilot seat. I wanna make him Lord of my life. Thanks, over here on my right. Thank you. Over here on my left. Thank you, ma'am. Couple of hands, praise God. Thank you on my, in the very back. Thank you, ma'am. Who else would say, that's me? You can put your hands down. Thank you, ladies. Anybody else wanna join these and say, that's me, pray for me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life today. I wanna put him in control. Okay. Thank you so much. Up the balcony, praise God. Anybody else? All right. You can put your hands down. This is what I'd like to do. I want every person in this place to pray this prayer after me, whether you raised your hand or not. Say this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, even at my worst. And thank you for saving me by paying the price for my sin on the cross. Today, I'm a new creation because of you. So take my life and use it for your glory. Lead me and take control of my life. I am yours. Thank you that you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm thankful. Um, in Luke chapter 15, it says that when one person
person repents and comes back to God, all of heaven rejoices. And it's kind of like that scene at the end of the at the end of the clip there where they know they've gotten Watney and, and the whole literally the whole planet is celebrating. That's what I imagine is going on in heaven today. That that the earth the heaven is celebrating because of the people that have given their lives to Christ today. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, one simple thing I want you to do, take this card out of the seat back in front of you. It says salvation on the back, it says need prayer. So if you have prayer needs, fill this side out. If you have made the decision to follow Christ today and make him Lord of your life, fill this side out. Let us know about this and then simply drop it in our offering boxes before you leave today. There's two in the back of the room here. There's one up in the balcony there. Drop this in there. In the next couple days, we're gonna get in contact with you and help you take the next step because we all need a crew and we wanna be your crew. We wanna help you take that next step in your faith journey. So please fill this out. Let us know about your decision so that we can help you on your faith journey. This is what's gonna happen now. The worship team's gonna lead us in one final song. As they do, our prayer team's gonna be on either side of this stage. And if you need prayer for any reason, step out from your seat as soon as they begin to sing and find one of our prayer team members. Our prayer team will also be available at the conclusion of our experience today. So if you wanna come forward when we dismiss here in just a moment, they'll be available for that. When we finish this last song, my wife Kim is gonna come up and she'll close us out and then you'll be dismissed after that. Guys, I love you more than you know and I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. Why don't you stand your feet all over the room? We're gonna worship together one more time. God bless you guys.